Welcome to the Brave Little Podcast. Coming from California, here's Aaron Alvarado and David Stauffer. Welcome to the Brave Little Podcast, a special pod that I've wanted to do for a while. Uh, we uh, we got two people here. Uh, we got the usual man from Los Angeles. <laughs> the usual. That's, me. That's me. What a terrible <laughs> nickname. <laughs> same old, same old. Oh, Aaron Alvarado. Oh, I wanted to go Aaron low with Aaron Alvarado. I wanted to go low so I could go high for for yes. Jeff. Right. Oh, I get it. Oh, okay. Drum roll, please. Then yes, please. And our guest today, a graduate of Cokeridge High School, <laughs> born and raised in El Dorado Hills, California, currently a resident of the greater San Diego area. It's Jeff Presnall coming back to the How podcast. Are oh, we hey. are so good. We are so, so good. Oh, we're rocking, man. We're in the, uh, the my podcast studio. Everyone take a look around here. Yeah, you guys, I wish I could be there with you. Uh, you will be in about two months. Yeah, well, the re- I mean, I don't know. Stop me if I'm saying too much, Jeff. The reason you're in town, we were talking about mm-hmm. a recent kind of uh, job opportunity. Uh, right. But you interviewed with some folks uh, around the Staples Center area for a certain high-profile gig. Well, I would have I taken it, but they were forcing Jason Kidd and Tibbs <laughs> on me. Yeah. <laughs> and then some. I can't think of two more miserable assistant coaches to have underneath yeah, you and to undermine you. Spill water and overplay all of our guys. <laughs> oh my gosh! Like, say, eventually the Lakers will get a new head coach. I don't know when that's going to happen, but it's, it's I don't, going to happen. I know it's a requirement. Because the going to start. Yes. <laughs> I know it's a requirement. Why though? They don't need. They don't need a coach. They don't need a coach. Um. Can I just say, as a Kings fan, and and thankfully we're we're two out of three here, which is great. I love having support. Yeah. I when I heard the the, the rumors that that Ty Lue was in negotiations to to take the head coaching gig, I, it was so exciting to me. I, I couldn't even sleep that night. I was so excited, and I knew there's this part that just deep down I was like, it's not going to happen. It's too good to be true. And then the, then the reports come out that like Jason Kidd could be an assistant and Tibbs and I'm just like okay it's a it's all a bit like this is this You're is literally my you. dream it's a dream of that would be a dream of mine to have that head coaching crew in LA now I hey, hey listen 2018 we were literally the meme team like we had <laughs> the meme players yeah and now we're having we're gonna have the meme coaching right. staff so that's I, great. I'm not joking when I say that. The, it, it it into it. Sports Center just wants to start every like night just being like, "Well, we're in Hollywood." <laughs> drama. Guess what they did. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not even kidding. If Ty Lue had gotten the gig, had, had they had they really? Uh, by the way, just he didn't take the gig because he felt disrespected. They didn't offer five, four or five years. They only offered three. Like Ty Lue with zero other offers. He felt disrespected with his quote-unquote championship pedigree, which I love everything about that. Um, by the way, he doesn't need to work, right? No, I mean, he's, that, he doesn't. He's fine. Yeah. No. Um, but it, it, honestly, if he had signed the dotted line, I absolutely am getting tickets next season to Staples. I've never seen a Laker game in person, but this is the draw. Okay, not LeBron, um, not Kobe it's before Ty him. Lue. It's Tyloo. Because like, because you don't always get to see the coach in the you know on the telecast, right? They don't always they don't have a camera on the coach, but in the arena you can just watch Ty, and that's oh, yeah. what I would do. 
I would go just to watch Ty Lue and I mean, it'd be worth the, the cost of admission. So I think the Lakers would have implemented a, a coach cam where you can just pull oh, the feet God. online and just watch. Oh, my gosh. Toronto Could you imagine show. just, in, just yeah, a yeah, game yeah. long wired segment of just him wired up, just <laughs> asking about like where like catering is coming from that night after the game, like what, what food are they bringing in? You know, just like concerned about anything uh, other than strategy. He made Kyrie <laughs> and Kevin Love and LeBron James work and win a championship. You, you got to give him credit for yeah. that. It's not easy. Yeah. Well, look, I, I, uh, I'm hesitant to cast stones when it comes to uh, head coaching debacles. Okay. Um, <laughs> I know, I know, I know, I know. It's not good. It's not good. Um, I joke about the, the LA situation and then reality, Aaron uh, dodged a bullet, uh, <laughs> but uh, we, we took one right to the forehead. Um, oh, and so, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's the, honestly the most Kings thing imaginable. Like, you can't even talk about it. Like, you don't even want to talk yeah, about it. It's true. And it's yeah. like at a point in the season where there's nothing to talk about. Yeah. And yeah. to make matters worse, at least from a fan perspective, where you like, <laughs> like, oh, well, maybe like we can talk about something else to change the subject, something <laughs> basketball related. Oh, no, we don't have a draft pick. Yeah. We don't have a draft <laughs> pick. This is the dominant offseason story for you guys. Just so you know. That's it. Yeah. Congrats. It's like, well, what have they done? Oh. I'm, yeah, <laughs> I know. Seriously. It's Thanks, I, it's Lottie. like it's gutting. The worst of it is that it's not surprising, right? It's just like this is like the the eve of ESPN releasing the 30 for 30 documentary all about Sacramento called Down in the Valley. The night before they're gonna air it, it might even been the day of. Um, it was very they, close. Like they were. It was gonna, the day. It was within twenty four hours. I mean, it was. I was. They did the and then they were just like, no one else is gonna see this thing. Ever. No one else is gonna see this except thing. for De'Aaron Fox. Yeah. Well, I heard the uh, they had. Uh, they were about to broadcast, and then they had Scott Van Pelt actually run through the broadcast studio and pull the plug as it was about to go over there <laughs> oh <my laughs> for the team. It's like running through with the tape in his hand, like the Death Star plans in Rogue One. It's not um, me. It's the mouse. It's, yeah. But, like, the whole Kevin Johnson thing, like, we had a hero that saved the city who also happened to we be did. the worst kind of monster. Was a monster. <laughs> Was just a complete monster. Really, just yeah. did, did one just about the worst thing imaginable in that, you know, the category of worst things. And then, uh, then, then we look, we fired a coach we shouldn't have. We, uh, as we're known to do, we fired a coach after having success uh, after a drought, a major drought. Uh, and then we actually heard, we quickly hired someone in a situation that like ev- by all accounts, everyone uh, gave high scores. I, you know, getting a good coach that was in a previously bad situation. You talk yourself into it. I, I talked myself very quickly into it, but they took care of it very quickly and really managed the, the fallout of that firing really well. So it was all really, really exciting. And then just a matter of a, what, a couple of weeks later. It comes out that he has these pretty serious sexual uh, misconduct allegations against him, and uh, and it's just like coming oh. after a time. Like gosh, well, I love this Me Too pod I'm on right now, but yeah. uh, like he's it's also coming off of Steve Kerr, who's like known within the NBA atmosphere and and many other as, like as a predator. Like, he's a right. national figure, <laughs> and he's saying like. Luke Walton is not only a great coach, but he's one of the best human beings I've ever known. And that's not to defend Luke Walton, 
but at least as fans, we're like, okay, well, like it was kind of shady how it all went down with, you know, getting rid of one coach and hiring this guy who was a Laker, who we don't like the Lakers, <laughs> but yeah, regardless, well, honestly, I, I think it speaks know, more to just the terrible like people that good place. <laughs> and now we're in this point where we're like, oh, can't turn back. Cool. You can't turn back now. No, well, actually, no. you can. And we're just kind of like as fans waiting to. to see. So, maybe. so, so, yeah. So, shy of a, a video or audio tape with like, you know, hard evidence, which is likely not going to happen, mm-hmm. the Kings appear to stay. Like they're going to stick with this. Now I could be wrong. They could they could do their investigation, which they're doing with the NBA in tandem, and they could uh, you know unearth some really credible evidence that backs up the allegations, and then he's out. You know that could happen. But well, I'm bracing for a scenario where it's unclear. Yeah, and he's going to coach our team, and I'm going to be forever reluctant uh, in terms of my rooting for him, and that's just sucks. That sucks. Definitely, yeah, you don't, don't want to be that place yeah. as a fan. Definitely don't go in a hotel room with them. Would be my advice. <laughs> okay. I mean, like, I, I'd have to ask like other fans. Like, what is it like to be a Derrick Rose fan? <laughs> oh, or right. Jason, a Kobe fan. Kobe fan. A Jason Kidd fan. Well, like, Derrick Rose just had this feel good. Like, this is these might. I don't know. Yes. Yeah. yeah. They were running. They were, like, Derrick. Derrick Rose was a feel good story the first half of the season. Like that was the narrative, and every time I heard it, I was like. Am I misremembering? What he he got accused of some heinous things. Oh, now yeah. he was found not guilty, but like still, what yeah. was going on there was not. Email, uh, daily email from like Tom Ziller. Uh, no, I don't get the Ziller email. That's, that's how I'm keeping up with like articles and stuff. But like Ziller is out there, and it's like the email that goes out to everybody, and it says like <laughs> known sexual assaulter hits oh, game winner. God. Oh my gosh. He's yeah. oh, wow. What a flex. Wow. Ziller. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. I mean, look, I know Aaron has gone on record about Kobe's stuff and uh he, he had to burn all of his Kobe jerseys after that. And so it's hard. It's a hard thing to do. Well, uh, thankfully he changed his number after it all went down. So I got to buy new <laughs> brand new jerseys because once uh, he changed the number, that was everything. Like yeah. that was the past. So. new me, new number is what he said. Right. Yeah. Uh okay. <laughs> what a way what a topic to start pod, right podcast about yeah. comedic actors <laughs> hey, hey did you hear about kevin durant <laughs> no seriously like what did happen because we just got, we had gotten back and we had heard yeah so what's the what's the latest well i reggie miller jumped the gun it appeared on the on the telecast to uh diagnose it as, as an yeah i know yeah Hard yeah <laughs> far be it for reggie miller to go go <laughs> to say something out of line and and uh jump to conclusions but uh he's like uh it's an achilles tear looks like yeah that's torn that's what happened to kobe i feel like he just took his headphones off he was done done yeah he's like it's over done um but then the the warriors came out and again they haven't run any scans or tests yet of course they haven't had the time to uh but they were calling it a calf sprain which is decidedly less serious so um there's a chance that's wrong but i'd be surprised if they would be comfortable saying that and then it turns out it was an achilles tear as a kobe fan i can tell you what a torn achilles looks like on the nba court look like what happened to kevin durant so i'm not a doctor i know that you believe that i am but i'm not i have to make that clear Uh, play one on tv (laughs) i only play one on a podcast Uh, no i mean it looked it looked really bad it looks incredibly incredibly bad so didn't kobe get free throws after 
He sure did. I hate that yes. so much. I hate that, that so much. That is the wrong mentality. <laughs> I can't that. tell you how much I hate that. You're trolling me now. You're just <laughs> trolling me. So, yeah. Okay. Well, let's get into this because we got some lists. To the podcast I, now. Let's go. <laughs> I have wanted to do this pod for a while. Uh, a pod about comedic actors and actresses, people that um, that shaped our kind of comedic tastes or people that were just really important to our, and it, not, it doesn't have to be just upbringing, but like, you know, I think that's how I did my list. But just who were the funniest uh, comedic actors? Uh, and, and, you know, our personal five funniest comedic actors. That could be current. That could be upbringing. It could be any of that. But just the personal list of who are the five funniest people. People that are specifically, um, I want to say known for movies. Again, they're, these aren't necessary. These aren't the funniest stand-ups, right? Like Bill Burr isn't on our list. Uh, at least he shouldn't be. For either one of you guys, <laughs> he was funny in Breaking Bad. He was funny in Breaking Bad, but Breaking Bad's also a TV show. <laughs> yeah. So I wanted to avoid like there's a lot of good comedy actors and TV, obviously stand-ups. But I wanted people that had been in at least some movies. It's fine if they'd been a stand-up before and then you know when it, also did movies. But I wanted to pick like the movie people that that really made us laugh and and who are uh, the most important people to. Yeah, to our comedic sensibilities in terms of shaping that people that we can go back to and watch scenes that still make us laugh to this day, like uh, who those who those folks are. And so I asked both of you to come up with your five, which you have, which I'm grateful for. Um, I think since we all grew up in a similar era time frame, that there's going to be overlap, and we we know that to be the case. Um, but when I asked you guys to come up with your list, like what was the I guess the immediate challenge or thought with kind of the directive? TV, not including TV. Mm -hmm. I think, I don't know about you guys, but it was a shock to see how much like influence TV had almost maybe more so than movies. You kind of grow up thinking like, oh yeah, I just like watched a whole bunch of movies. But then you start thinking of like different influences. Like, oh no, like that person was in SNL or that person was in this show or that show. And so then you start thinking about like more the movie side. I think that was the big thing for me because you we're going to name off these names yeah and there's names that like had an influence that aren't on there because it was on tv yeah well who's who's the first one that comes to mind who's the one that is their tv influence yeah aaron well for tv i didn't um shoot i didn't really think about tv as a framework but um give me drew carey Ooh. Wow. I was actually a really big Drew Carey fan. Were you really? Of the Drew Carey Carey show? Or whose line is it anyway? Drew Carey show and whose line. I was a huge fan in in my high school years. He doesn't suck on uh, Price is Right. Price is Right. right. It it didn't really lose a beat. Yeah, I know. But he also hasn't gotten in a fist fight with Adam Sandler. And that's when he'll yeah. trip. You see? You see what this did here? Yeah. yeah that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> that's a spoiler. <laughs> that's a spoiler. <laughs> I'm sure. He might be on a list. He might be on a list. Of Bob Barker? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's definitely going to be on the list. Um, Corell is a great one. Uh, similarly, I, I, I just have so much fondness for Carell. He's so funny to me, uh, even as like this time daily show correspondent, but specifically as uh, on the office. I mean, that's, that's peak Carell. Now he's got great movies. I'm anchorman as brick Tamlin's hilarious, iconic role. I would say, um, some would say the funniest character in that movie, 
and then I know there's two of those movies, but you know, no one watches the second one. Um, I love. I, I, go to, yeah. I go to back. For really? The second you go to back for the second? We're gonna come back. Right. Oh, it's gonna good, have another good, good, good. I look forward to that. Uh, <laughs> and then like Forty Year Old Virgin, um, obviously, but like, but then there's a lot of clunk, like Dinner for Schmucks, Date Night, Evan Almighty. Um, not uh, he's got a lot of clunkers, but to be fair, I, I think everyone on my list is gonna have some of those clunkers. I mean, that's yeah. the reality. And it's but, important to think about how much he got paid. <laughs> also, yeah, no doubt. Seriously. Seriously. I, I, mean, I don't want I, to do Evan Almighty either, but if somebody like gave me some Evan Almighty money. Look, there's a lot of reasons why I'm not a professional actor, mostly related to talent and, and also lack of a desire to pursue that medium. But if I were, I would uh, I would honestly accept all the roles that offered money. Oh, yeah. um, <laughs> you know, uh, Jamie Kennedy. Uh, yeah, Jamie okay. Kennedy experiment yeah, so. and Malibu's Most Wanted. So he, he, uh, he did a questionnaire and uh, asked me anything on Reddit. And someone asked, I think it was on Reddit, someone asked him, why did you do The Mask 2, or Son of the Mask? Yeah. Oh. And he said, uh, 11 million reasons. <laughs> 11, 11 million. million wow. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. You, you do it. You do it. You do it. You do it. So one other one challenge for me was just how much SNL – and that, tra- you know, there's so many funny people that have come through SNL that were hugely important to me, uh, especially in my upbringing. Some of them made the jump to film successfully. Others didn't or, you know, didn't at all or not or unsuccessfully. And so trying to, for my list, trying to, you know, stay true to the uh, to the parameters that were set, the rules about them being in movies, um, even though SNL might be like their real, like their calling card. Um, that, that was, that was tricky for me. So there might be a, there might be one or two on here that are, are a bit of a stretch, uh, for the criteria that was set, but, um, I'm at peace. I'm at peace with what I did. So, but I want to start with our guest, Jeff, with your number five, and then we'll go uh, to Aaron. Check out my number five right here. Go to my notes section. Jeff made notes. Just I did. So it's clear. I yeah, this was supposed to be improv. That was so. Uh, my number five, uh, I believe, is an overlap as well, Great. but it is uh, Adam Sandler. Ooh, and just in terms of like the time period, it matches up with like our teenage years and him having multiple roles, still iconic. Uh, I mean, just to go through them real quick: Billy Madison, Happy Gilmore, Big Daddy. Waterboy, The Wedding Singer, Fifty First Dates, and that's not even to include some of the other ones that you know Adam Sandler fans like, you know, really like Punch Drunk Love, uh, Funny People, um, others. (laughs) I mean, if you go on his IMDb, there's literally twenty movies that you can list off Mm -hmm. that are hilarious. Yeah. 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 Can Can you also I mean, equally twenty that are. Um, what's the opposite of hilarious? Um, <laughs> Disastrous. <laughs> Jack and Jill, grown ups, yeah. grown ups yeah. too. Like, there's definitely. There's no doubt he swings for the fences every time, and sometimes he gets on. But money. there's an audience for that. Yeah, there's clearly. An argument that there's an audience for that, but in terms well, the of the Netflix like, money, yeah. an influence. Obviously, Adam Sandler had that, but man, when he was going, he was the lead. It was all these different characters. He was bringing his friends in, and it was just hilarious. So, so uh, I, my yeah, question is number five on my list. My question for you, Jeff, is um, 
Billy Madison and Happy Gilmore are often considered the de facto one, two, like mm-hmm. or those are the top two. Certainly uh, growing up, those are the two that were the most watched by far. I, which one of those two do you prefer? And what's what's his third best film? Well, so I, I prefer Happy Gilmore just from like a story standpoint. It just kind of is a little bit more relatable. And I saw that one first and that really kind of kicked off the whole Adam Sandler thing, at least for me on a personal matter. So I, I, I go with that one. But then when I saw Billy Madison, I kind of got, you had heard rumblings of people talking about it. And so when I finally saw it, I was like, oh, I guess that is like, that's hilarious. And you got Chris Farley in there and like all these different people. Um, I think for me, I mean, maybe I'm just, I like rom-coms too, but uh, he had that run with Drew Barrymore, three movies and two of which like were yeah. really, really good. Yeah. Like 50 first dates. I go back for 50 first yeah. dates. I, you know, for me personally, I'd say that's number three. So for me, it's the wedding singer. So the other one of the other, oh, that's, 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 can't go. he has so right. many good you. movies. Really Those are good. Yeah. Yeah. It's even though I feel like he's aggressively, um, I feel like because the lack of quality of these Netflix films and look, I get the money he's getting, I get there's an audience, but they're so aggressively bad that there's part of me that's like, okay, this is like some sort of long game. Like, I I mean, this is a a conscious decision to to aggressively tarnish his legacy to see if he can do it. Like, I feel like, and it's not working. Isn't that amazing? It's not working. He he was just on SNL. What more bad material can he put out there that like, Yes, I watched the, I, our mind about Billy Madison or Happy Gilmore. Did you even? I watched the trailer for the Sandy Wexler Netflix film, and I'm I just watched it thinking, why? Why are you? T- <laughs> you don't need to do this. Like, I you're not even trying to to make anything coherent or funny. And then here here he goes on SNL on on Saturday night, and there I am, watch tuning in. Uh, I mean, like I still showed up, and so uh, yeah, it's not going to work. You can go ahead and make Grown Ups Three and Grown Ups Four, and I'm, I'm still gonna, I'm gonna, because he's on my list too, right? I, I have him. Um, well, actually, no, I, I, oh, I pulled him off, didn't I? Yes, I actually pulled him off. My list. Well, he's on my list. That's right. I just well, remembered yes, Jack. I just remembered Jack and Jill. That's right, Jack and Jill. I pulled oh, him off my list. Story, yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, no, yeah, yeah. Uh, Aaron, uh, you have Adam Sandler on your list. I have Adam Sandler number one. So thanks, so thanks really? for spoiling it. Yeah. Wow. So, I mean, you should have started with him because no, no, I was no, like, I my number five. No, it's good. It's wow. <laughs> well, I think the guest coming in and just taking the win right out of his Sorry. <laughs> well, when you set the parameters of who like helps shape our yeah. sense of humor, mm-hmm. especially in movie terms, I think Adam Sandler for me is number one. I've seen Billy Madison maybe three hundred times, and that's not a joke. Like that's not an yep. exaggeration at all. I've yeah. I, there was a time where I knew every single word, every beat, every pronunciation, pronunciation. I mean, it's a movie that I thought was just absolutely hilarious. I still think it's funny. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah. I mean, uh, so it's Coneheads is number one. And then Airheads. Uh, Airheads, Drew man. Madison, yeah. Happy Gilmore, Punch Rock Love. Bull- the movie Bulletproof, I think, is an underrated gem. It is. Uh, and then The Wedding Singer. And uh, he was even in Dirty Work. Uh, the Water Boy. And then Big Daddy. Like, those. Yeah. Dude, the guy had an absolute run. Big Daddy. He that was. Had- yeah. 15 years at least where he was at the top of his game so yeah that's just kind of tricky, man. i know we make fun of like all of his newer movies but i just had a friend the other day who was like i saw the sandler stand-up mm-hmm. it was good yeah well no, the stand-up was good the special was good 
Yeah, and that's the other thing. If you want to go outside of the scope of just the movies, his his albums were yeah, I loved him. So vital to my childhood. Like they I had the CDs that was in my CD player constantly repeating the the uh, the bits over and over again. Um, and then of course SNL. So mm-hmm. like for me, this is the guy that was the most important in shaping what I found funny growing up. So that's why I, I had him number one. It's 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 funny because like <laughs> Uh, a lot of what I learned about Hanukkah growing up came from Adam Sandler. Yep. <laughs> like, it seems weird that he would be my cultural entry point into, uh, you know, a holiday celebrated by millions of people. Um, but it's sure enough. You went home just one day like, Mom. Okay, yeah, I did. I was like, what is, what is the, ca- yes, how many candles? What is it? How do you? What a yeah. fine looking Jew. <laughs> yeah. No, seriously. It's amazing how that actually, that was an unintended effect of that, but it, it absolutely was the, the case for me. Um, yeah. I think you make a good point, uh, Aaron, about like that 15 years, uh, as bad as his recent stuff is. Uh, how many how many people have a creative prime or a comedic prime or in any of the creative arts for that extended period of time, it's so difficult to do. Not even Francis Ford Coppola made oh, good yeah, movies yeah. for 15 years, right? It, I mean, it's just like, yeah. yeah, it's uh, so yeah, I it's think a really, really difficult movie. That's a testament to the movies that he, making, that he makes now. Um, he, he can't, his legacy can never be ruined because it was yeah. so good um, yeah. for at least 15 years. I mean, he was at the top of his game. So it doesn't matter if he has 15 years of bad movies. Those that 15 years in his prime was yeah. so incredibly good that it uh, it'll carry him forever. So, so what's the best moment in Billy Madison? Best scene? Oh man, for me, the number one scene in Billy Madison. Oh, there's seriously so many, but I love, love, love the scene of uh, Chris Farley eating the, the school lunches. Yeah, I think that is just so. <laughs> it's so stupid and so it's funny. So funny. It's just an angry fat man eating all those kids' lunches, like to get back at them. Like that's the thing. He yeah. has the this this hatred for these children. Yeah. <laughs> and so yeah. yeah, and of course that's not an Adam Sandler scene, but like it's peripheral to. Uh, well, in that whole sequence, the love, ping, I, yeah, the ping your pants is cool. Yeah, of course, yeah. exactly. The field I, I love the idea that the bus driver hated the kids. Yeah, because yeah. oh, yeah. anybody who yeah. rode the bus, like. You're just yeah. like watching this person. Like, I'm pretty sure he they hate all. Miserable. He hates life. Miserable. Hates, hates yeah. life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just hates any noise. <laughs> <laughs> just trying to get to A to B and freaking get and justifiably so. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> totally. Well, the kids yeah. weren't even really that bad, but still, like, he no, was, he was just. I he think was already gone. I I uh, there. I remember. Uh, Definitely the stop looking at me, Swan. Like really, I mean that that's lasted. Weirdly, that bit has had this like legacy, and even though it's like feels like a little throwaway, um, certainly not in the script. Um, but the end when he answers the question in the competition, and the guy responds just kind of like, but, you know, this is how it was incoherent yeah. and completely wrong. We're, we were all we all dumb. <laughs> Everyone here is dumber for having heard it. Um, just the idea of him going for it. BSing yeah. it, yeah, and then like the swelling of the movie, like as a kid, to just that idea, and then the guy being like, No, like it's the yeah. dumbest thing yeah. I've ever heard. You know, what's fu- so funny about that, that movie specifically is none of the people that I went to school with 
liked it or even knew anything about it. Wow. I, we just kind of like my brother and I and uh, my sister too, we just kind of like discovered it at Blockbuster one yeah. day, rented it. And it was just like, okay, this is our movie. We're, wow. we're going to watch this movie forever. And so, <laughs> yeah. yeah, like anytime we had friends come over, we would make them watch it too. And it's just like, that's kind of yeah. like the secret thing. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. For whatever but reason, it today. really hit home. What a world, man. <laughs> you can't do that anymore today. I, I don't think so. It's just different. It's just yeah. Different. Uh, that's true. All right, Aaron, what's your number five? My number five is actually Mike Judge. This is this is cheating a little bit, mm. but I think Mike Judge is the funniest um, content creator, period. Now, he does have two, like, minor – or he had one minor role in Office Space. He played the manager of the uh, restaurant who made Jennifer Aniston wear more flair, um, which is a really funny scene. Uh, but he's also the voices of Beavis and Butthead, and there was a Beavis and Butthead movie. So that that's technically his movie role, uh, but more than that, like he created Beavis and Butthead, created King of the Hill, directed Id- Idiocracy, directed Office Space. Uh, now he's doing Silicon Valley. Like the guy is just so incredibly pr- prolific, and he's super super talented, ahead of the curve always. So yeah, Mike Judge is my and he has a really interesting eclectic background. I mean, he like yeah, yeah you, so, are you familiar? So I think he worked. Um, I think he was just like. I can't remember what his story is off the top of my head. I think he was just like a, either an engineer or something. Yeah, he like, was in engineering. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then yeah. he, uh, but he, I guess he'd always drawn cartoons or, or some sort of comics or something. Yeah. And he decided to just quit his job and then pursue the whole, he, uh, the Beavis and Butthead thing. And, yeah. and it just hit. Like that Beavis and Butthead specifically was the number one cartoon that I watched as a child. Well, and I wasn't he, allowed to. When did he do uh, Office Space? Office Space is 99. Okay. Yeah. Mm. So Beavis and Butthead was like from 90, maybe four to 98 or something. So yeah. We was coming from the corporate world. That's why I was wondering where, where that came Exactly. From. That's yeah. exactly where it all came from. So yeah. Yeah, that's right. It's yeah. all there. So, it's so funny to see people. People haven't seen it. Mm-hmm. It's like the opposite yeah. effect. Like when it first came out, like everyone was like, oh, we got to like, but now the people have to go back to see office space. Like it's almost become hidden again. Yeah. Isn't that and, weird? And what's crazy is it's still applicable today. Like you see the characters in office space. Yeah. They still apply to, to people in real life. So it, it's amazing. I think it's a testament to how talented he is. What a great writer. I've worked and for Lumber. There you go. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and what an amazing insight the guy has. Like that's the number one key for me is he has an awareness of, whatever situation he is a way to capture the essence of it and then recreate it in his art. So I yeah, look, that. I mean, I watched Silicon Valley and uh, you know, I don't want to pull the, uh, I work in Silicon Valley and I'm a tech bro card. You but, should pull uh, it because it's true, but there's a level. I mean, it's not even just like, there's obvious things that you can poke at with Silicon Valley humor. Um, I mean, it's a lot of low hanging fruit, but there's a level of authenticity in Silicon Valley that is like staggering. And it's like, it's not even in the obvious jokes. There are just the most subtle and tiny things that they're doing in there that I'm like, I can't believe like he didn't personally work in Silicon Valley because there's things going on here that I'm like, I can't believe they're nailing this. Like they're nailing it like they are because it's exactly like this. Um, 
And like, honestly, some things in that show might be a little bit exaggerated, but most of it is pretty like, it's like that. It's people are, almost exactly people are paying same. people to be on the roof. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's exactly right. Yeah. Well, um, I mean, that's office space too, right? So he, yeah. yes. he exaggerates yeah. what office culture is, but it's not really that exaggerated. Really. A lot of yeah. it is very, very similar. So yeah. Yeah. Great movie. Well, even though he's not an actor. Um, but he did act. He did voice. He did sure. act. And he's talented enough that we'll, Jeff and I will allow it. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Sir. Okay. Um, wow, we're still at number five. So I'm sorry. I'm going to keep argue better. I wanted to spend a little extra time on Adam Sandler since he was of also course, yeah, we number had, one. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, mine, open up on your number one. Five, I know. So uh, I, I hey, suspect another guy. one. He's in a couple movies. Yeah, just, you know, one of the biggest names in, you know, any millennial male right. like, will view him as an icon. Um, Does, so my number do five. Do you guys have an Adam Sandler impression? I mean, it seems I easy. It. But I don't have it. It. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Go. that's good. That's it. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> it doesn't work without the hands. <laughs> I know. People like on the podcast. Uh, to be fair, if you watch SNL, there's a sketch they just did where he he has this, <laughs> he goes to this uh, Sandler family reunion and yeah. like you see his aunts and uncles and cousins and all of them are acting like various characters from his movies and they're all doing that voice and it's hilarious uh you know, you know suggesting that's where he gets the ideas and inspiration for all his characters but it, it's like i think it's a legitimately funny bit it's pretty good so uh so youtube that um speaking of big names in comedy uh, i suspect uh, at least one of you will have this on your list as well but my number five is jim carrey uh jim carrey had a run there in the 90s that was nearly unparalleled but like Ace Ventura, The Mask, uh, and then specifically for me, it's Dumb and Dumber. Um, and then, of course, Ace Ventura, When Nature Calls. And uh, um, and then he, yes, he had Liar Liar. He had uh, you know, a, a number of ones. He did Truman Show. He got into like more like serious. Then he came back with comedies. I think it was number 23 was his comeback in the comedy, <laughs> um, which... I uh, actually never saw that movie. Um, it looked like a barrel of laughs, though. Oh, I laughed at the trailer. Does that count? But, <laughs> I got a Man on the Moon. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, Man on the Moon. Oh, yeah. Um, I, you know, he was in, in Living Color. Fire Even Marshall though Jim Bill. Carrey wasn't in it. <laughs> yeah, Jim Carrey wasn't, wasn't, uh, wasn't a part of that film, as he would say. Um, he was passed. And yes. then he saw the movie later, I think. That's right. Yeah. Andy, Andy actually came Andy back to, to do the film. Yeah. Uh, so I was going to say specifically about Dumb and Dumber. Uh, now, Jim Carrey was the funniest person alive for four years, I feel like, in, in uh, at least certainly in the Stoffer household. Close. Like the I mean, the guy was, person. yeah, he was just gigantic, yeah. uh, gigantic. But I, I'll never forget. And I don't even remember what the movie was, but we had this VHS tape where you, you know, you pop it in to watch and they have the trailers beforehand. And this was how I would watch trailers if I didn't see them in the movie theater, right? Uh, and so I'd say a vast majority of trailers, at least in 94 or 93, uh, were at the beginning of these VHS tapes. And that's when I saw the Dumb and Dumber trailer. And I would watch it over and over and over and over. And the, specifically the part where he, uh, he was running through the airport and he tells him to hold that plane and he runs through the gate. Uh, it, it's, it's a bit of comedy, it just it just flies right out of it like it it never failed to make me laugh i, I would just lose it every single time 
And uh, and then I remember going to the theaters to see it. I can't believe how, I mean, it's not like a hard R comedy, but it's certainly a, adult humor. Um, and thankfully, my, my parents allowed, you know, allowed me at that age to go see it because I wanted to see it so badly, me, me and my brother both. And uh, yeah, I mean, this was a movie I've probably watched more than any other comedy ever. So I guess this is like uh, Aaron's Billy Madison 300 times. Like I've watched Dumb and Dumber so many times. So much so uh, that uh, uh, j- j- I guess to share a personal anecdote, the the film itself was filmed primarily in Salt Lake City, Utah. And I attended college in Utah. And uh, one of the camp part of the campus that I went to is in downtown Salt Lake City which is uh, where the outside, the scene of the uh, owl benefit at that mansion, where they go in the like tuxedos. Uh, it's a mansion that's called the Devro Mansion. It's in downtown Salt Lake City. And it's actually technically part of the college campus that I attended. Uh, and I'm, I'm putting a photo up here. The, uh, the above one is the from the film and the below is the Devro Mansion. And you can see in the right, you can see these like skyscraper buildings, which is that's the college building that I attended classes in. And uh, I thought we needed to do uh, like, there's gotta be like a school, a big school dance here. They had this big courtyard. I thought it'd be the coolest venue to hold an event in the dumb and dumber building. Yeah. Like, I thought it was the coolest thing. I, I thought it was the coolest thing in the world. Uh, the people, people I pitched that I with like orange and blue. <laughs> oh, I was, oh yeah. Are you kidding? This was like a dream come true. Just the fact it was there. I was so, I was so, I thought everyone would be as excited as I was about it. Um, turned out, uh, I was wrong about that. Uh, so I'm, I'm this new, you know, excited, spunky freshman in college. And I'm trying to, you know, I'm talking to the student council, uh, you know, who have been there for some time being like, guys, this is this is going to be the best idea ever, and uh, they're like, yeah. Um, so Devro Mansion is off limits. They never have allowed any student activities there ever in its history. It's a complete waste of time. There's no chance. And I was like, okay, um, can we maybe ask? Like, maybe can we get someone in the room? You know? And they just kind of laughed me out. So I was like, okay, screw it, fine. I ran for student body president and got elected, so I could just go do it myself. Nice. And uh, and I got in the room with the people and made my pitch, and they allowed us to do it, and we held a dance there, and it was amazing. Did it? Nice. Awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. So, but like, uh, you know, any any snow owls in the uh, <laughs> for the decoration? Yeah, a lot of court. I just, I, yeah, it was a it was a dry, sober campus for a lot of reasons uh, that you probably understand. But I still was like, we got to get corked Martinelli's and as many as possible because it's going to take a lot of tries. But we need live owls. <laughs> <laughs> Like, was there any rules for that dance in terms of like quotes for the like? just like walking around like nice set of hooters uh, yeah yeah i mean you could say that um and just see see how things would play out for you um <laughs> wouldn't end well probably no, probably, no. no. I, I don't know how many people would appreciate it the thing is the fact that it was dumb and dumber was lost on so many people it, it was a moment when I, re- when I really realized like oh like this is a beloved film don't get me wrong a lot of people like it but i i did i thought everyone would love it as much like it would be this ubiquitously loved film and the truth is is like oh yeah that's right this some, some of the stuff is still so like silo like i'm just it's a part of my you know it's your world yeah it's my world, it's my yeah. world. so anyway what, what's yeah jim carrey um what's interesting about that movies like that the, and like billy madison uh was like this is the age before the internet so it's like these movies somehow spread to all of us even though we didn't have a way to communicate across the country, really. Um, it was just like, for some reason, 
they hit a chord inside this entire generation of young men, essentially. Like, really, that's what it was. It's amazing. I think there's just something so universal about the, the humor that uh, was really in tune with whatever's inside of us. Like, obviously, people that are different thought it was funny, too. But it's like, for some reason, these movies in particular. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not like we could actually reach out and talk to somebody um, far away that uh, we could share this with. It's just like, it's in your neighborhood. Or, yeah. you know, it's so localized. Yeah, it's it's really totally. It's only in hindsight that you realize that it was like something you shared. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So do you guys have Jim Carrey? I do. On your you I do. do. I think I actually have him number two on my list. Okay. I have number three on mine. Yeah. A, a behemoth. Uh, so what I other just, what other films for you guys were? I just want to mention real quick, uh, The Cable Guy. Like, I think that was. Yeah. Ben Stiller directed. Ben Stiller, exactly. Ben Stiller directed. It was his first attempt at a dark comedy. And I think it's funny. I think it still holds up if you go back and watch it. So, but it was uh, not received well. I remember the sentiment at the time. It was hated. So also, well, it was also, good God, it was so different than the movies yeah. we just listed. Completely, this yeah. wasn't the mask. This wasn't no, P A R T Y because I got it. You know, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's really twisted. It's really um, just in a, he's obsessive and he's a uh, like. Just a crazy person. He's outlandish, yeah. but it's like, but he's also has like bad intentions. Too, yeah, which is really yeah. Like, it's it's kind of like, it's, like, it's, it's a little set in reality. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, there's so, like no laugh track, but that's like, what I like. This guy's it. not joking. Yeah, that's, so that's what I like about it. <laughs> and then also Batman Forever. I think he was a great Riddler. Oh, stop! The movie's campy. Whatever. I like Jim Carrey in that. Yeah, I remember like yeah. in between like. Dark Knight and Dark Knight Rises, there was like all the rumors of who the next villain was going to be. And one of the rumors that I loved the most was that they were going to bring Jim Carrey back to play oh, the right. Christopher Nolan version of the Riddler. Right. I remember that. I remember seeing those headlines. Yeah. You know what? Like, that never happen, but cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Could you imagine Christopher Nolan trying to manage the antics of Jim Carrey playing an Andy Kaufman? Like, he comes as the Riddler, like Christopher Nolan, like, um, excuse me, get him off my set. Like, <laughs> <laughs> kill this man, please. <laughs> no, it just seems pretty no I nonsense. No. <laughs> Have him executed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, get Guy Pearson here, the guy with the tattoo. Uh, <laughs> I'm telling you, Batman Forever, it's not a good movie, but Jim Carrey's good at it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That's, not, I mean, it's part of that decade, movie. that era. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Uh, any other thoughts on Jim Carrey or a movie you wanted to hit on? Or I like Yes Man. I think I own Yes Man. Yes Man. So that was interesting. That's that was kind of in the later stage one. Uh, that was kind of like the same. It, kind of, it was sneaky as, as like, Liar Liar. Kind of like spec script that he just kind of like added his Jim Carrey flair yeah. and it worked really well. And that's a great point because I don't. I think there's a bunch of movies that do not work if it's not Jim Carrey starring mm -hmm. in it. And that's one yes. of them. Yes, yep. man. Yes. Liar, liar is another one. Yep. Yes. Um, uh, Ace Ventura is another one. The Mask, Dumb and Dumber. Those don't those don't work unless Jim Carrey is in that role. So, what's I interesting is one of the things I was finding when we were doing our list was that okay, could this be played by anybody else? A lot of yeah. times it can't be. Not really. Yeah. 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 That's an interesting thing. Uh, that whole like the how much the personality is baked into that. What makes that character work? Uh, even though this isn't a comedy, it's just probably uh, worth mentioning Truman Show. Mm -hmm. um, it's it's one of my 10 favorite films of all time. Uh, it's a film that I adore. 
it is one though when talking about that test of could someone else play this like in reality yes someone else could have played that role but he did it shockingly well for someone that wasn't known for his dramatic acting capabilities coming in like i think he nailed it i don't want anyone else in that um but it wasn't necessarily uniquely jim carrey uh, but I mean, I don't know if you guys agree with that assessment, but uh, no, I think you're right. Specifically, that movie is just a very dramatic role, and I think they could have gone any way with that, but they they chose Jim Carrey for his other characteristics. Uh, yeah, and and I think the movie's better for it. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, the becoming unhinged stuff, especially just like realizing like the whole like conspiracy of what's happening in his world. Uh, I think that's when he's able to really bring out what makes Jim Carrey Jim Carrey. And who else is excited for Sonic the Hedgehog? Oh my gosh! When the I first know. image, that screenshot, I saw. I it. Oh yeah. Pete. <laughs> Are they going to redesign Jim Carrey in the film as well, or just I hope the? Not. Don't touch okay. Jim Carrey. All right. Okay. All right. Um, okay. All right, Jeff. What's next on your list? Let me see. It's your four. My fourth one. Oh, so this is like my little wild card. Ooh. Um, I actually said Ryan Reynolds. Oh. And when you look at like Detective Pikachu. <laughs> when you look at the the previous list, it's really impressive. You got Van Wilder, uh, Waiting, uh, oh, waiting. Deadpool, uh, The Change Up, which is like a sneaky good rated R movie with Bateman. Like, oh, it, it really works. I never saw it. Oh man, it works. It's it could, oh, like, wow, okay. They, it was a, the exact same like classic switcheroo movie, but both yeah. of them have been on record and said we would never have done it, but they said we could do it rated R. Oh. And it, it was really funny. Um, Aaron knows this one, Blade Trinity. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. He's the best part of that movie. That's not <laughs> even a not joke. Hard. It's 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 a bad movie, but he's the best part. <laughs> Much like Jim Carrey in Batman Forever. Yeah. <laughs> No, Poor, he was, Wesley. Uh, Poor Wesley. He was showing how to play Ant Man uh, like yeah. way back when. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Are we what? in the midst of peak Ryan Reynolds right now? I Unlike so. a lot of the names on this list here, so far that's the one I would say is might be in their prime of the people list. Well, he's named. still going for sure, yeah. but I don't know if it's peak. But like, I feel like, and I, maybe I, I, Deadpool there's, I haven't seen all of his films, but like, Deadpool feels like this. That's like the most realized. This is, this is a hundred percent Ryan Reynolds, like fully unadulterated. Oh, there's no doubt. Yeah. But like he, he but he has it. No, I was, and I was huge into Van Wilder when I was growing up. So. It's a very funny movie. Like, that's very much a, um, it's like, it, it's been done before a million times. Mm -hmm. It's so, like, formulaic, formulaic. But, again, because Ryan Reynolds is so, uh, such a special talent for that role, he makes it so much better. Yeah. Yeah. No, I remember, I was so into, I ended up, like, getting the bootleg copy of Two Guys, <laughs> a Girl, in a Pizza Place off of eBay. Because I'm like, there's a and Reynolds series out there, yeah. and he's that's got to be hilarious. What's amazing about that is he is one hundred percent Ryan Reynolds in that TV show. Yep. Like he already established his voice in that show, mm -hmm. and he was maybe like yeah. nineteen or twenty years old. Now, do you? Here's, here's a trivia for you as a okay. Van Wilder fan. Do you know who Van Wilder is actually based off of in real life? 
Belushi? No, it's a stand-up comic that's working today. That's working today. Yes. And it's based oh, on Car- And it's based on mm-hmm. It's Carlos Mencia. Yeah. No, it's not Carlos Mencia. <laughs> it is, do you know who Burt Kreischer is? The machine. Is it really Burt Kreischer? Burt Kreischer's life story. What? Yes. Burt yeah, Kreischer? Well, I remember he, he makes the joke. He's just like, this is not how I wanted to spend my third sophomore year. <laughs> well, this is so. Burt Kreischer um, was famously like he was a party animal, biggest party yeah. animal in the school. And Rolling wow. Stone came to his school to interview him and to talk to people that were in his like in his like uh, periphery huh. or his life. And um, the people that made Van Wilder like they bought the rights to his story essentially, and then they made it. So yeah, it's his life story. Wow, <laughs> the machine. Yeah, yeah, but I think Ryan Reynolds is a better Burt Kreischer than Burt Kreischer is. Yeah, I think. Well, I mean, I was going to say, Bert Kreischer would agree. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> poor Bert. Yeah, yeah. But, but I will say, the amazing thing about Ryan Reynolds is how much he has able been able to imbue his personality into these roles. I mean, it makes sense now because he's an established movie star. But even early on, we talk about like seeing these fully this fully formed Ryan Reynolds character coming out. Um, even in the trailers about uh, for uh, Detective Pikachu, like I joke about it, but like hearing the lines. Like, oh, none of this was in the script. There's no way. Uh, like just the delivery and everything was just like, wow, they he this is a property too. And so the fact that like they handed him lines and he was just like, Nope, I'm gonna I'm going to rewrite or hey, well, he's at the point of his career where he can he can make he can that demand move. that's right, yeah, that's right. You absolutely can. And I am grateful. To. That's yeah. what I think you're right. You're right. At this point, yeah. I mean, he's funnier than most writers that are gonna try to write him lines. Agreed. So agreed. It's a good move. All right, Aaron, you're number four. Number four is Norm McDonald, another oh. SNL alum. Okay. Yeah. So Norm McDonald okay. first introduced him in Billy Madison as one of Billy's friends. Oh, the uh, that, you, you, the line. What day is it? Oh uh, god. October. Exactly. Exactly. So I loved his friends. I love Billy Madison's friends. <laughs> and then uh, uh and then Dirty Work, obviously. Yeah. So Dirty Work and then the movie Screwed. So those are the two ones that he the two movies he starred in. Uh, yes. But Dirty Work for me is it's right up there in the pantheon of movies that I watched over a hundred times when I was younger. <laughs> this is this is a movie it's that so I good. obsessed about. I obsessed about Dirty Work. Um, it hit me at just the right time. And you know we've talked about it before. Just below, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and it was just so vital to me. Um, I think it's still funny to this day. So yeah, Norm Macdonald is, is right classic. Up. Yeah, he's I mean, I mean, I just I pulled up the stats for Dirty Work. I mean, they speak for themselves. Seventeen percent in Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, it made $10 million on a $13 million budget. Um, I wasn't but... prepared for the 17%. <laughs> Honestly, that's 16% higher than I thought it would get. I know, I know. No, it's, it's the, it really is the exact type of com- uh, comedy where you're like, oh, the critics are going to hate this. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, what we talked about a little bit before we started recording, and we've talked about Norm McDonald at length on, on a previous pod, but like, yeah, this, I was at the age where this movie worked perfectly on me. Perfectly. Yeah. I mean, it was all funny. I think Jeff might be the dissenting vote. No, I love one. Dirty no. Work. Oh, you do? Oh, okay. Oh, I love Dirty Work. I, I don't know if I watched it as many times, but she's, I, I had yeah. that on there for a long time. Artie Lang. And I watched, yeah, I watched like a decent portion. It was on Stars not too long ago. And not it didn't hold up uh, as much. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. a little dated. I, yeah. I, well, yeah. give you that. I still <laughs> came back. <That's> <laughs> like I still like. <laughs> also, I mean, you have like you said, Artie Lang is yep. in it, and then you have Chris yeah. Farley, and yeah. So there's Chris Farley. 
the movie is just very, very funny, and, and it hit me at the perfect time. So, but Norm Macdonald, it's 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 a little bit of a bummer looking at his IMDb because you have Dirty Work, and then the rest of them are just like Adam Sandler kind of bringing him along for a bit part and Grown Ups yeah. and Eric, this and Eric that. Come on, that's on that's on Norm. That's not anybody else's fault is for it? not doing movies. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know that after Dirty Work. If he wanted to, he'd he'd make a movie. Well, I think he's 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 very particular, and I think that he doesn't compromise his vision or or the the, the projects that he gets involved in. Did you ever see his TV show? Yes, I think his TV show was brilliant. I do too. Uh, We're talking about Norm. The the Norm. Yeah, the the show called Norm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I think uh, he he made his money, and he just kind of took he took a step back and did stand up and. But I think and he really, wanted TV. I think he wanted TV and stand-up. I, yeah. I, I get the sense that that was like his preferred medium to play in. Uh, I don't know if people were throwing money at him after Dirty Work to make movies. Uh, but to your point, Aaron, I, I bet I, he doesn't strike me as someone that would have uh, been super easy for the like producer or authority types to work with. Yeah, um, I don't think so. I don't think so at all. But there was a time in the, in the mid-90s when if you were uh, any sort of character on SNL, you got your own movie. Oh, yeah. It was amazing. Like oh, anyone, yeah. like they made so many bad SNL related movies. Um, so he was, I mean, he, so he got an opportunity to make movies. Of course you're going to take it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think Dirty Work's hilarious. So I'll stand by Agreed. it. Yep. Um, so my, uh, my number four is Dave Chappelle. And this is one of the ones I acknowledge as a stretch. Chappelle shows, obviously, like it was him, uh, at his, certainly at his peak in terms of pop culture and the cultural zeitgeist, uh, Famous for walking away from a $50 million deal to do another season for Comedy Central and disappearing. Uh, it, what we learned later was to, to South Africa and he kind of had a, a moment where he really didn't need to consider his motivations and what he was doing and what, you know, what his, where his passions were. And he came back from that hiatus to, uh, to promote a theatrically released film, which is why I think this qualifies. Uh, uh, directed by Michelle Gondry, who did uh, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, like, like a legit filmmaker. Um, but it was Dave Chappelle's Block Party, which uh, a legit filmmaker, maybe not a legit film. Um, <laughs> but this is this is the uh, this is how I'm going to justify getting him in there. Uh, of course, he's been in other films, Half Baked, obviously stars in that, and then he's been in bit parts movies like Con Air, You've Got Mail, Nutty um, professor. professor, yes. But Dave Chappelle, it, to me, is uh, maybe the funniest human being that's ever lived. Uh, and that includes in the movies uh, and certainly in all other uh, mediums that he's worked in. And uh, just has personally been someone that's been had an enormous amount of impact and influence in the way I consume comedy, the way I interpret it, the way I, I laugh at it and the standards that I have for it. I mean, I, I th- he's one of the people that you can make the case is, you know, one of the funniest people to ever live. And that's, uh, that's, how I can justify putting him on this list. He's that important to me and I, my upbringing that, that I'll shoehorn him in. So, well, he's still relevant too. I think he was the best part of a star is born. Oh That's my gosh. Me. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> well, he talked, it was, yeah, he talked amazingly. He got his friend to get married on a whim right there at his house, which is. Right. Was pretty, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Drunk oh mode. gosh. <laughs> So how many times have you seen Half Baked? Because I've seen it probably a hundred times. Uh, less than that, but okay. fifty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 30. yeah. <laughs> um, 
neither of you have shout outs. I did. I actually, like the other day, I actually did pop a half baked reference oh, in okay. 2019. Go figure. Was it the Bob Saget part of the cameo? Or? No, it was. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but you ever try it? Oh, we. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. And that's how uh, we get John Stewart in the top there five. There you go. He was in yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, he's the dad of yeah. the, yeah. not the big daddy. But he's, he's a little daddy. Yeah, little daddy. <laughs> Real daddy. <laughs> All right. Uh, Jeff, who's your three? Same you, or is that one of the overlaps? I only have one left, just so you guys know. So Amazing. Yeah, so you can probably skip me. All right, so my... Last one. Oh, so I have one. I don't know if this overlaps, but my number three is Ryan. Or sorry, Ryan. Robin Williams. I was looking at oh, he's one. just outside of my list. He's in my longer list. Is he on your list? Darren? No, no, I'm not. All right. So Robin Williams. I mean, just the guy really just doesn't really need an introduction. But from like an influence standpoint, if you look at just like Aladdin, Mrs. Doubtfire alone, like. Talk about rewatchable movies and movies that like couldn't be done by anyone else and movies that you're 90% sure that was not in the script. Yeah. Whatever he just said and whatever he just said not only was like poignant and funny and relevant to the script, but (laughs) it just, it it all just moved. And then that was just sort of like Robin, um, and on a personal, he's one of my heroes, and I, he's the only celebrity death, at least that I've experienced, that has uh, you know made me emotional. A lot of people have passed away, and it's unfortunate. And I knew people here and there, but like Robin was the only one, and maybe it's the way he left, but that one hurt a lot. And uh, but and he had a major, major influence. So he's my number three. That's good. Great. Great pick. Uh, I'll, I'll jump back then. I think with one that we probably both have, since Aaron only has one left. But uh, my number three is Will Ferrell. Uh, it's on your list as well. That's my uh, that's my number one. Number one. Well, I'll let number you lead one. the way. Why, why is Will no, Ferrell? No, please go go right ahead. I just want I'll I'll, I'll I, pay I, back I, on you. Well, I certainly was introduced to him through SNL. His first film came out while I was working at the movie theater that we all three worked at. I think we were all there at the same time. Uh, well, first I should say, ma- like leading part was Elf. <laughs> Elf was uh, immediately funny. Very clearly was going to be a cult. Cl- it wasn't a cult classic. I mean, it was an instant classic. It was like, you know, uh, it was a hugely successful film. It is now it has muscled out uh, a Christmas story as being that uh, the twenty-four hour marathon movie. You know, like that. Did it really? Movie- Did it muscle it out? starting to they it's starting to i know it's no longer the 24 hour thing yeah and elf was this year it was a 24 hour yeah yeah it's come yeah favreau did it it's really incredible uh but peter Will dinklage Favreau. man it's the peter <laughs> dinklage effect that's why i <laughs> made so much money so it, will ferrell's one of the people that i laugh just looking at him um just his face the way he looks i laugh i immediately laugh it's just funny there's something about the way he carries himself is just all like immediately funny. Talk about committing to the bit. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And like a lot of people on this list, he's made a lot of bad movies since, but after elf, he rattled off some real classics. I mean, anchorman was a hugely important film in my high school year. I mean, that was a, my only memory of like, 
falling out of a theater seat because I was laughing so hard. I was just like, <laughs> just doubled over. I was laughing so hard. Uh, and I was, again, right at, I was just immature enough to appreciate that film. At <laughs> um, and, uh, and then, of course, I mean, he did Talladega Nights, which is kind of, you know, another version of that. And then Step Brothers, which is in the Pantheon for one of the great films, which is, you know, another reason why I wanted to do this pod was just a couple of weeks ago, uh, my wife and I, Lindsay, were in Hawaii and it was like late at night and she turned on the TV in our hotel room and was like flipping the channels. And uh, she has never seen Step Brothers. Um, it's Step Brothers is like pretty over the top raunchy, which really isn't like her cup of tea. Like not she loves she loves comedy, but like that that Step Brothers is uh, you know it really goes places. And so she's just kind of <laughs> interested in, in watching it. And so so we're watching an admittedly sanitized version. It's on cable TV, so it's uh, so it's edited. And uh, she I've never seen her laugh so hard in a movie. <laughs> she every scene she was just dying it was fun to watch it i was laughing watching her because it's just every scene murdered uh and it was just like for her it was like this comedy nirvana like just this the concept of these two grown adult men <laughs> like pretending to be petulant little children and having parents that kind of enabled this behavior by treating them as if they're children like just that that whole idea the conceit for the idea was so funny to her uh, and then, of course, the execution scene is seen. It was just like I, I, watching her like it, the, you know, it's the Will Ferrell and John C. Riley, and, and to be fair, Adam McKay magic work on her. I was like, oh, wow. Yeah, this is something like this is really incredible. Like this movie as well as Will Ferrell and everyone that what they're doing in that film. Uh, but it's just that I, I think that probably is peak Will Ferrell. I think that is Will Ferrell at his best. Um, and uh, and it, again, John C. Riley, I think is pretty important part of that formula. Uh, but yeah. So that's I put him at my number three. So I want to know why he's your number one and what what's your favorite? Will uh, it's the same thing, just the influence and um, he also comes in as just like the guy on certain movies. Like I remember that it was like the big transition between SNL and to his movie career was old school, and mm -hmm. so he had a lot of eyes and. Like, ah, uh, you know, he's pretty funny in SNL, but let's see how this goes. Like, it's kind of supposed to be his movie and just didn't disappoint. Frank the Tank. Frank the Tank. And, uh, uh, and then Wedding Crashers. He has this, he that was the other one I was going to mention with like, talk yeah. about stealing. Oh, yeah. Stealing a movie. I mean, the movie is already just, just yeah. hitting on so many yes. like twists and turns and funny moments that he comes in and my wife hates Will Ferrell. Hates Will Ferrell. He's number one on my list. She can't stand him. Wow. She loves him in Wedding Crashers. Yeah. She thinks he's the funniest part of that entire movie. She's like, why can't he just be like that? Like, he's being Will Ferrell. You're just seeing Will Ferrell in like two minutes versus like two hours. <laughs> I try to imagine what that that cameo is like. They get him in, they have him for three hours or something, you know. And they're, he's just like, they're like, "What are you gonna do?" He's like, "I don't know. I'm gonna. I got this uh, meatloaf bit that I'm just gonna write." And like, okay. And they turn the cameras on. And he just does it, right? Because it's like no one can write that down. That's not a yeah. bit you write down, you know. And it's to your point about how this is a film that's already firing on all cylinders. Like it, Wedding Crashers is special. Uh, it is, it is jam packed with laughs. It's a from top to bottom. It's you didn't a really there but he no. might have stolen the show no. it, it's like starsky and hutch not a good yeah. movie 
And it was the, sort of towards the end too, so it was like the last thing you remember. That's right. Yeah. But like he, he does the same cameo in in, uh, in Starsky and Hutch, you know, Ben Stiller and Owen Wilson. The dragon. The dragon, which is the best part of the movie because the movie otherwise is very forgettable. It's not good. But that's an example of Werefall coming in being like, okay, I could be the funniest thing in this movie because it, it's not a good movie. But Wedding Crashers wasn't that. Wedding Crashers was already great, and only Will Ferrell at that time could come and be like, oh, I'm going to up the ante. Like, I'm actually going to make this funnier, which is incredible. Like, mm -hmm. it really is amazing. Yeah, so. so the fact that he was the man on so many of those classic movies and the characters are all different, it's it's a similar thing to, to Sandler, but I think even Sandler didn't have these moments in, in other movies where he's only in there for two minutes and almost steals the entire movie. That's right. I totally agree. Uh, how many more do you have on your list? On my list? Uh, that's it. Oh, that's your list. Okay. Oh, <laughs> with the overlaps, that's it. I'll go. So my... Uh, I'm just gonna jump back to my number two. <laughs> drop mic drop. Um, uh, my number two is uh, Bill Murray. So Bill Murray was. Uh, uh, I mean, yeah. Obviously, he's a legend. He's beloved. For me, it was just it was Ghostbusters, of course. Uh, Groundhog Day, another. Uh, that's a film that's in my top ten of all time. Groundhog Day is a masterpiece in my mind. Um, but in terms of the comedy, a uh, film that really meant a lot to me, uh, especially as I was younger, was What About Bob. Um, what about Bob was just immensely funny to me and it still is to this day, but it worked on me as a kid. And I have such fond memories of watching torment Richard Dreyfus, the guy from jaws in my mind. And, uh, and it's just like, it meant a lot. Um, you know, Bill and I, uh, you know, later had a, a kind of a transactional relationship. Um, well, that's a weird way of saying that, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it really was a give and take. <laughs> um, I, uh, my, I've said, I've told this story on the pod before. Can you elaborate on that transition? Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Maybe I should explain. We, <laughs> yeah, someone I already talked about. Um, no, he, uh, we would go to the uh, Pebble Beach Golf Course every year for the AT and T Celebrity Pro Am because we had some family friends that owned a house on the golf course, um, which uh, was pretty incredible, and. Uh, the uh, the house the the backyard fence would go right up to the fifteenth tee box where you you know tee off and then the fourteenth green is kind of in the front yard, uh, and so I would stand at on the fence on this bench so my head would be like over the fence, uh, just basically f three four feet behind whoever's kind of teeing off, and uh, Bill Murray, uh, one year I'd, I'd handed him a, a a plate I was while well, I was eating a lemon bar and some and some cookies, and he came over and kind of motioned over like kind of you're gonna give me one of those and I immediately did. Because uh, that's Vankman, and so um, and that's so the, what are you talking about? That's Garfield. <laughs> There's Garfield. Been me. preparing for this moment your entire life. Um, the guy from Space Jam. Oh, now, yeah. Uh, so it became a recurring bit. Uh, yeah, I had this expectation of some baked goods at the from the fence. You know, like I was there the next year. My aunt joined me, and, and she. In fact, there's some photos here on the Facebook live feed. Uh, these are all photos that I've taken uh, of of him from the various tournaments throughout the years. In the the top right, there's a photo of him holding a bowl of, of goods, which is one of our baked goods that we had given him, which honestly pretty dangerous to accept uh, baked things that are you know, not uh, sealed from strangers, especially for a you know celebrity. But he trusted us, and he had good reason to be, or to trust us, because <laughs> they're totally safe. Um, <laughs> but anyway, uh, Bill Murray's 
yeah, legendary, one of the all-time greats. So that's my uh, that's my number two. Aaron, who's last wow. on your list? Uh, last one on my list is one Christopher Farley. Hey, good one. Another on. SNL. No, oh, he's my number one. That's my last one. Oh, okay. Nice. I mean, I'll just say, for me, he was everything you, you said about uh, Will Ferrell being able to steal a, mo- steal a movie with a cameo as well as carry it. Mm-hmm. Own. That's Chris Farley to me. Like yeah. he, he was the first one in my life, in my film watching life. <laughs> yeah. Oh no. Who, who, who could steal a movie with a single scene as yeah. well as carry a movie with his incredible timing, his personality. Uh, he was larger than life uh, physically and um, with his performance. He, uh, he could just do it all. I think, um, uh, again, uh, Jeff, you talked about losing or, or uh, yeah. feeling something about the loss of uh, Robin Williams. And, mm. and for me, it was Chris Farley. When he died, I actually did feel feel really sad about that because um, I looked up to the guy. I thought he was incredibly important, incredibly talented. And I thought he was going to do bigger and better things as he got older. And Easily. Um, was, yeah. I felt like he was just getting started. Tommy Boy is a movie that's incredibly brilliant, funny, one of the funniest all-time Comedies. I love the movie Black Sheep. I think it's genius. Yeah. Um, you know his time, the, his comedic timing, and his uh, the the way his relationship with David Spade. I think their connection on screen was just magic. Mm-hmm. Um, you you can't form that bond. It's kind of it just kind of has to be there. And I think for whatever reason, those two worked so extremely well together. They were magic and. I loved every time that they worked together. Um, Farley, he was in Airheads. He had a little part in Billy Madison. He was a little, had a little part in Coneheads. Uh, even Beverly Hills Ninja, I thought, was a fun movie. It's yeah. Not great, but fun. Um, yeah, so he, he was taken too soon. And of course, he had demons, and uh, it sucks that uh, he, su- he succumbed to them. But the guy was just an absolute genius, I think. Uh, and I really miss him. I think that no one has ever really filled his shoes for me. It's just, he's, it's different. There's just something that was really special about him. And, and, uh, he was just one of the greats. He was so unique. You can't yeah, really replace something like right. that. I That's mean, right. the way he approached each film, like we always kind of talk about, like we were talking about Vince Vaughn potentially like coming in with the same old shtick, the same old Vince Vaughn character. Vince Vaughn. You could say the same thing about, Chris Farley in a way because it was always a Chris Farley character, but it was never a bad thing. It was always a good thing because you were getting somebody who was like silly and didn't take himself too seriously, but always had like this big old heart that just came through. And you just like, you can't even put it into words, like how to do that in like 30 seconds of a Wayne's world cameo. (laughs) And then that's the magic of it. It's like, he was, I felt like he was earnestly giving himself to the audience and the mm-hmm. camera and at the root of it all was just a lovable teddy bear. Yeah. Um, like he had those demons that were around him and he had to deal with and he obviously couldn't deal with them, yeah. but there was something inside of him that was just like pure. Like it was so, it was so good. And you uh, see it, you see it now with the way people are talking about him 20. Yeah, exactly. 20 years later? It's, it's, I think it's been 20 years since, it's been 20 years since he died. It's trending so, on Twitter. It, it, like, there's still like a fairly special, like almost, yeah. you know. That's the impact that he had on uh, everyone. So a legend, true legend of comedy. 
So why is my number one? No, no single person is, has impacted me more uh, it, from a comedic standpoint in, in, in movies than, than, than Chris Farley. It's just, that's, that's the case. Even with the limited filmography, uh, it's just the, yeah. He, I mean, you, you guys have all said it. The energy, the fact that it's not even about his weight, his size. Like, it's easy to be like, oh, it's he's just kind of the big guy humor. And yes, he does some of that. The, the comedy there's no doubt fat guy in a little coat is a great bit um and uh but like even scenes like you talk about his, his work with spade and how they'd go back and forth like just a small moment in tommy boy that is just emblematic of that relationship and how well it worked was um towards the beginning of the film when he's driving in the car after he gets picked up from the airport with spade and he puts the M&Ms on the dashboard and he turns and they just all go, they all pour out of the bag and into the engine, you know? And he's like, oh, melted chocolate inside the dash. That's going to really up the resale value. And then just Chris Farley says, oh, they have a thin candy shell. Surprised you didn't know that. Like, I think your brain has a thick candy shell. <laughs> and he's like, your brain's one the shell on it. <laughs> just like <laughs> action and his attempt to try like and go like spar with spade, which isn't gonna happen. It's, it's, just, like, it's funny, it's earnest, it seems sincere. Like this isn't it's not a physical comedy moment, but it's just like he's playing this lovable dummy in a way that like childlike, yeah. And from what I understand, he was a lot like that in real life. I mean, I've heard people say his mm -hmm. sketch that he did the Chris Farley show on SNL was like probably the most like how he actually was in real life. Where the, Chris, the Chris Farley show is how I act in front of any famous person. <laughs> oh yeah, totally. Oh, it's the it's and it honestly my, one of my favorite all time SNL bits. Like yeah. when he's talking to uh, Paul McCartney, he's just the like, Beatles. That's exactly right. Remember, <laughs> so cool. it's, so it's so good. Oh, it's so good. Uh, yeah, he just, yeah, there's just no one like him. I mean, Aaron, I, I echoed the exact thing about uh, the impact of uh, of a famous person's death. I mean, I've, I know I've mentioned it on past pods, but like my parents literally sat me down when I came home from school that day to tell me about what had happened. And they'd never done anything like that before. I mean, they knew how much it meant and it, and they were right. It, it, had it, in, it was devastating to me. Uh, I think I felt that way. I don't know. I mean, I was sad when John Candy went. Uh, Robin Williams, I, Philip Seymour Hoffman was probably more recently one of the ones that was uh, that really was I was gutted. Um, Did you understand a, how he died? Yeah, my parents told me he took too many drugs. I remember them saying that he took too many drugs, and um, and I remember thinking, uh, well, the Dare program was right for number one. I remember thinking that. <laughs> <laughs> I, up to that point, I was really questioning if it was propaganda or not. He died from cigarettes? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I remember them saying he took too many drugs. And I remember just being devastated, like, why did he take? Why did he need to take drugs? Or why did he feel the need? I remember thinking that, like, oh, why would he, you know, he seemed so happy. And it just not, you know. My mind at that point, at the age, I was kind of you know finite. I I didn't totally grasp it, but it was so sad. Um, because yeah, he had a lot to he had a lot to give. He was thirty three, you know, he would have made a lot more movies. He was thirty three. Yeah. Uh oh. Fox I know. Fuck's sticking on you guys. Oh, I already made it. I already made it with what? I've been. Yeah, doesn't that make you feel weird? Like you lasted Farley? I know. It's it's crazy. I know. I know. Doesn't make any sense. 
And I live my life. I'm living way harder than far. Oh, yeah. That's problematic for me. <laughs> One of the things that I always heard from his former castmates was that uh, he was incredibly sensitive. Like he, yeah. he was very, very sensitive. And uh, he had so many feelings that uh, apparently the drugs, he took the drugs to basically not feel because it was just, life was just too, too real for him. So he didn't want to feel it. He was trying to escape um, those real feelings. And he just wanted to party all the time. He wanted to just feel good. He didn't want to feel depressed. He didn't want to feel sad. Um, yeah, so, I hear that he didn't think he was funny. Like he he had a hard time under grasping, understanding how beloved he was. Like he thought that he was not good. Like, he was getting to a scary, famous level toward like, but right before he died. Yeah. 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 So he was getting to the. Uh, like. He wasn't in the Jim Carrey range in that in that yeah. era. Could have been, though. but he was about to yeah. be. Yeah, he could have been. been. Yeah, totally. Uh, did you have you seen this Adam Sandler tribute to Chris Farley? What they keep coming out with different tributes now. Oh, so it's, he did one in his Netflix special, and then he just did it on SNL this past Saturday. I didn't so see that one. Farley was trending on Saturday because of him doing it. And a lot of people were, it's, it was their first time seeing it, even though it had come out on his special, you know, maybe six months ago or so. Um, and actually in one of the lines in there is, uh, and when they ask me who's the funniest man that I ever knew, I say without a doubt that it's you or it's something to that effect. Um, and it's, I mean, it's, I'm taking him at, at, uh, at his word there. I mean, Adam Sandler, uh, has obviously worked with giants throughout the industry. Bob Barker is number movies. one. What's that? Say Bob Barker is the number one giant yeah. that he worked with. Yeah, rest in peace, Bob. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I hope he gets. I hope they bury him at whatever golf course they filmed at Gilmore at. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I I think he's the funniest person to have ever lived. So. Me and Adam Sandler do. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Me and Adam. All right. I just mentioned uh, outside of my top five real quick, I have Mike Myers, another SNL guy. Mike Myers. So I made an expert. Yeah. Yes. I love the Austin Power movies. I think they're hilarious. So I know you're a hater, but I love them. Who does number two work for? <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> uh, and then uh, <laughs> the dark horse for me is Howard Stern. Made one movie, but he... Yep. I think he's just, I always thought he was hilarious. So he's my guy. Is it really, is it the, I've never been a big Howard head, uh, no. but I thought it was about his, like his interview style, his approach. No, to like, it's, it's his whole story. Well, no, yeah, really? the, mov the movie is his bio. Like it's his I bio. But, but his appeal is, I mean, it's part of it is, or was his interview style. But more than anything, like he was just willing to say anything and do anything. Which at the time, what a yeah. concept. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I'm surprised he survived the reckoning. I think of of the behaviors of people that you know, what he, that time period. Uh, yeah, but he, he had to actually change. He he did change, and he kind of like repented for what he did in the past. So yeah, yeah, interesting. Yeah, for me it was Ben Stiller. Uh, I I mean I have to mention Meet the Parents as just being an enormous movie uh, at that time. Just something I watched a ton. And it was really funny. Uh, I mean, there's something about Mary. There, I mean, he's he's had some really great films. Uh, him, he himself, I, he's not as funny as the people I put in my top five, like individually. But the type of comedy he's able to do and the situations he puts himself in, uh, especially Meet the Parents, is really something else. Uh, and I similarly had, had Mike uh, Mike Myers, Robin Williams, Steve Carell outside my list. Um, who else did you have, Jeff? 
I had uh, Leslie Nielsen. Oh, I mean, yeah. I mean, we're talking about like all these different movies that people have been in, but with Leslie Nielsen, it was just like the Naked Gun series and Airplane. But that alone, I think, is good enough to get an honorable mention. Yeah. Just yeah. for how different those movies were and his commitment to the bit, all of the bits. Like, he was in on the joke with everybody else before you knew it was a joke. It's and true. I, I just hadn't, had never seen that before. And I remember just being a kid, like not understanding that you could do that. <laughs> yeah. That's a good pick. Um, one last list I'll read my Lindsay. I asked her just straight up, like, who are your five, you know, the five funniest uh, comedic actors. And she just, she rattled off pretty quickly. Didn't give it a ton of thought, which actually surprised me. Uh, she, she had her list locked and loaded and it's will ferrell zach galifianakis melissa mccarthy uh, martin short and uh, and kate mckinnon and i uh i, I was like kate mckinnon like she like ghostbusters that much like there's haven't been a ton of movies that she's been in but no she, masterminds the jared hess film the guy who did napoleon dynamite uh was not a well-reviewed film very few people saw it but kate mckinnon is she has a bit part in oh, a mastermind uh, zach galifianakis is a yeah, right. And right. Wig. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And Owen Wilson. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's like in the single percentage points on Rotten right. Tomatoes. Like it was critically annihilated, and it is it is it's a mess of a movie. But there are performances and things going on that are are uh, like Kate McKinnon that are pretty funny, like in a vacuum. But the movie itself is not good at all. <laughs> uh, and then Martin Short, which I I was surprised, like Martin Short, you know, that's a good pick. And is she, she like Martin, movie Clifford. Clifford, that's one hundred percent it. She watched Clifford on repeat growing up, and that was it. It's, it's hilarious. It's so good. Yeah, it's a great pick. Made me want to watch it, actually. I really need yeah. to track down a VHS copy of Clifford. <laughs> I think I have one, if you want to borrow it. Oh, great. Yeah, please. Yeah. <laughs> Someone send uh, me a buck. I'll bring it to Owen. <laughs> Steve, I know Steve Martin was has not been mentioned um, and wasn't on anyone's list. She had mentioned him as kind of just outside her top five, but that's like Father of the Bride was kind of her... Yeah. That was I mean, the film. We talk about the SNL people and movies. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, um, all right. Well, it's nearly midnight, and we've gone long on this pod. Anything else you guys want to talk about in regards to the? No, I think I did everything. Any other movies? I think that's it. Good. Uh, the three of us. Maybe the next time we're going to be potting together is going to be all three in person in July. Yeah. For once upon a time in Hollywood, uh, a Quentin Tarantino joint, as they say. And we'll be watching it in Hollywood. In Hollywood at the New Beverly, hopefully. Hopefully at the New Beverly. Yeah, that's the plan. I'm going to wait in line an unreasonable amount of time. And that's oh, someone yeah. I'm not going to wait. Yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm willing. So I think it's a two-day countdown, countdown, I think. It's in two months. Yeah. So, End of July. Yeah, that's going to be so good. So right. we'll reconvene. Right. There's no way. <laughs> well, it's uh, I'm gonna love it regardless of the actual movie. So I'm already ready to praise it. I, I need to manage expectations because right now they are out of control. My <laughs> are out of control. We all we all love the uh, first trailer, right? The, oh my yeah, god! Yeah, I didn't, yeah, it didn't help. Like the cast alone, it's Tarantino, of course. Starting with that, the cast, and then the trailer comes out. It's like, oh, this isn't helping the the bloated expectations thing because that trailer was perfect, perfect. It's great. Yeah, so good. Such the a good they, they set the scene. You know, you like it wasn't a long trailer. 
but you kind of you like you just got, got enough you, you got, got enough. enough so well in the trailer it shows the cinerama which i was going to say that should be our backup theater for some reason the new beverly yeah. Network. we got to go definitely to plan the dome so yeah no doubt no doubt well great thanks guys for doing this late night pot on a work night and uh we'll reconvene <laughs> yeah <laughs> jeff continue um i hope you get that lakers gig good luck and um yeah well the three of us will be back in july and uh Maybe Aaron and I will be back sooner than that. We'll see. Oh, yeah. So, sure. We're going to talk about uh, what was the movie we just saw. What's that? <laughs> yeah, it must have made a pretty, pretty big impression. <laughs> you know, the one with the guys with the face. Yeah, it's a movie. Oh, yeah, yeah. We got to talk about that movie. The movie. Mm-hmm. It's a movie I just saw. It's a movie I saw. There were people in it. There were actors that I recognized in it. The guy that did the last Avengers, the biggest movie of all time. Could be the Avengers. It could be. Yeah, it could uh, be. Uh, what is it called? Out of My League with Seth Rogen and Charlie Theron. Or, that's it. Uh, that's the one. What's it called? <laughs> long Shot. Long, long Shot is what it's called. Did yeah. you guys see Long Shot? Yeah, I saw Long Shot. He saw it too. Can I get a mini preview here? I mean, it's worth the watch. I'll put it that way. Well, that's what yeah, I was asking yeah, more yeah. so. It's like, is it worth uh, my time? It is 70 out of 100. There you go. Well, that's, that's very close to a D, but it's a C minus. C minus. It's a, that's the same. <laughs> There's more good than bad. Hit. There's more good than bad. I'm going to say there's a lot more good than bad. You are allowed to pass high school with this movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude, it's not everyone graduates. Cool. Yeah. Okay, yeah, we'll definitely go more detail on that. But yeah, yeah. So, okay. All right, I'm going to sign off unless there's anything else. <laughs> Literally, I'm yeah. You guys still hold on to your butt. Have a good night. Hold on to your butt. Thank you for listening to the Brave Little Podcast. Hold on to your butts.